Luke's Gospel, chapter 7. Start reading there in verse 31. And the Lord said, To what then shall I liken the men of this generation? And what are they like? Notice that he's saying men. He's not talking about gender, but he's talking about they're they're mature, they're older, right? They are men, and so not gender, but just their age. What shall I liken these men of this generation? And what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling one on one another, saying, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We mourned to you, and you did not weep. Jesus says this generation is like children playing at the place of business. Right? We are, picture this, imagine this, uh, grown men, grown women, whatever the gender might be, going into a place of business, if you will, and sitting down in the floor and shooting marbles or playing some other kind of game, uh, childish games, while just over their heads is a transfer of power is taking place. There's an exchange of power, and they are not even aware of it. And I believe that this is prophetically speaking about the age that we are in, that we are living in a time that there is a, an exchange of power, there is a transfer of power taking place, and those who are... Uh, mature, those who are uh, adults, if you will, do not even understand because we're busy playing childish games. We're unaware of it. There are three seasons of a Christian's walk that I want to look at here in these remaining scriptures. In verse 36, it says, then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that it was Jesus, sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flax of uh, fragrant oil, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and she began began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. And now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner." And Jesus answered him and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And so he said, Teacher, say it. And there was a certain creditor who had two debtors, and one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. 
And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who he forgave more. And he said unto him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. She, uh, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with, a, with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Amen. I believe within this context of this scripture, we see three different seasons or three different types of people. We see here first the Pharisees. These are the religious people. They know a lot about God, but they don't have a personal relationship with God. They know the rules. They knew religion. They knew how that religion worked. And religious people are proud of their works. They uh, know... They know a lot about God, but they don't have that relationship to where that his uh, character and his nature gets on the inside of them. And so therefore, they out of the law and out of judgment, they criticize, they judge, and they condemn all of those who are not a part of their little posse. And if even you are a part of the posse, but you get sideways with them, they will judge and condemn you and put you out. (laughs) It is true. Uh, The reality of it is, is we cannot have a form of godliness. We cannot just know God, but we have about God, but we must know him personally and have a personal relationship with him. But there are so many people today that, that are like the Pharisees in that they know about God or they have known what they have heard about God, but they do not know him for their self. For example, many people think that God is angry. But to know God, you would know that he has never been angry at you. He loves you. Amen. Some people think that he is judgmental, but as I've told you before, no man is judged until he dies. And so God is not judging you and, and you know, and people, some terrible thing happens to people and they say, well, God's just getting them. No, if God wanted to get you, he'd already got you. That ain't a problem for God. He can take care of you. All he has to do is not breathe out and you won't breathe in. It's in him that we live and we move and we have our very being, you know. Some people say, well, it was just, you know, a plane goes down or whatever and it's an act of God. No, that's not an act of God. That's uh, somebody not taking care of the equipment properly. Amen. And if God wanted to get you, he didn't have to kill 299 more people on the plane to get you. <laughs> right? And But religious people look at it and they... they People that are Pharisee, 
uh, have a, a spirit like this, they are all the time looking and condemning and being judgmental about other folks um, because they do not know God. But God is not a God that is angry. God is a God of love. He is a God of mercy. He, his mercy endures to the end, right? And so he, he is gracious, he is kind, he is merciful. And whenever people suggest that God's out to get you and he's out to kill you or to condemn you, they don't know him because he sent his son to die so you wouldn't have to. Amen? And so we thank God for that kind of mercy and that kind of grace that he would show his love toward us, not after we called upon him, but while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Can somebody say amen? He, he showed us that kind of goodness. He showed us that kind of love. He showed us that kind of mercy. And so we see these that knew about God and we knew about Jesus, but they did not know him personally. And then we have uh, the next step is that of Simon. He represents those who walked with Jesus. He had and become his disciples. They had seen Jesus do miracles. They had seen Jesus uh, heal the sick, to, to raise the dead, to set the captive free. They seen Jesus as those around about him would try to destroy him, and yet he showed them love, he showed them compassion. And they seen all of this, and they seen him open the blind eyes, the deaf ears, the crippled leap for joy. They had seen all of this, and they had walked where he walked. They had slept where he slept. And now Jesus becomes so familiar with them that they no longer stand at all at his greatness. He just one of them, one of the boys. Jesus goes to Simon's house and he doesn't even get up out of the chair. He doesn't bring him no water, which was custom. You can read these, they're customary to honor, to respect. They, he brings him no water to wash his feet. He brings him no oil. He brings him no honor. And you cannot receive from someone you do not honor. Amen. You cannot receive for someone you do not honor. You've, you know, some people, you know, in days past, and we've had a lot of televangelists and all of that, and, and healing ministry. If you don't recognize somebody who has the gift of healing in their life, you never have to worry about getting healed under their ministry. If you, whatever it is, you know, if it's, I believe that there's seed time and harvest. I believe in the principles of, of, of giving and all of that. If you don't believe in those things, if you don't believe in the gift, you never have to worry about receiving from that gift. It is in honoring that gift and respecting that gift that opens up, I believe, it opens up uh, the gift that you, you are, are seeing, that you have before you. And people ask me all the time why there is so many miracles overseas, and we see so little of it here. Now, I, I think there's a few things about that, but one of them, I believe, is a part of it is the reason that there 
is so many there in, and not here is because there is so much respect for God and for God's people and there is so lack of respect for God, his church, and his people in America. America don't know how to honor and respect God, his house, or his leadership. We have, we have humanized them down to that, that, that we, don't, we can't take and see their humanity and honor their gift. Right? We don't worship men, but we honor the gift. Can somebody say amen? Does anyone remember when pastors were respected? <laughs> Honored. You didn't call them, hey Joe. Right? If I would have called, and, and dad, he, passed, he was associate pastor for 22 years. And uh, our, I know my pastor's name. His name was Russell Camp. If I would have said, hey, Russell, I would have been slapped until I'd probably woke up about a week ago. <laughs> because it, in that circle, it was considered disrespectful. We always were taught to call him Pastor Camp, right? Out of respect, out of his gifting. We honored him by his gift. Now today, it, that we, this generation, we don't understand none of that, right? We have kids going around calling their daddy old man, right? That's another way I could have lost my teeth. <laughs> if my mama, I'd call my dad old man or call my mama old woman, uh-huh. I've been bumping my neck. <laughs> because that was disrespectful, right? Mr. Herondine was in school, and he was the only teacher that called me by my last name. He said, you call me Herondine, and I'll call you Matthews. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> but it's, I know that it seems so insignificant and, and it's really ba at the base but the reality of it is this is that that at the base of that there has to be honor there has to be respect and I'm not saying this and I, I pray that everyone here today knows my heart and that well know that that what I'm saying is not self-serving what I'm saying is is that we've got to come to a place where that we honor the gift not only in pastor but in you because each of us have a gift on the inside of us, right? And so God will make sure that you don't receive from what you do not respect or honor. And some of the greatest worship services that I've ever been a part of have been in third world countries, in prisons. In prisons. They, they don't do anything there that in those prisons and and i'm thinking about honduras right now but in honduras uh the prison we went to is it was the the most deadly prison in the world there was more people killed there 
on a daily basis than anywhere else in the world. And that prison was created for 700 people. There's 2,700 people in it. Whenever you walk through the door, you didn't walk through with a guard. The guard politely opened the steel door for you, let you go in and shut it behind you and said, we'll see you when you come out. But on the inside of that steel door, on that inside where all of those prisoners were held hostage, there was something that, that shifted in the atmosphere when those men and those women began to worship God. Because they don't have anything, but they have a huge respect for God. Amen? And they embraced that, and, and, they, and they held on to God and how good that he was. And because of that, a bunch of prisoners that could not get out of the walls that was created for 700 and 2,000 more put in there. But in the midst of all of that, they began to worship God and created an atmosphere where that heaven come down and kissed the earth. So what's our excuse? that we can't create an atmosphere, but we have to honor God, amen? In those third world countries, they, they, uh, they honor uh, you and as a, a man of God or a, ser- a person of God, they, they, they honor you till it's embarrassing. It embarrasses me, literally. They were, whenever coming out of the room and they run up there and grab your briefcase or whatever you're carrying, uh, oh man of God, let me, I said, I can carry my own Bible. But the guy that was, I was with, he said, please don't do that. He said that they're, they feel highly honored that they can carry your Bible and place it on the pulpit. Whenever I get finished ministering at the altar, I go looking for my Bible. It's not there. It's over at the seat where I was sitting and ready for the, to go. I don't touch it again until I get out of the car. It's embarrassing. <laughs> it really is. But they told me that's because they respect, they honor. Simon had Jesus come to his house and comes into his living room, but he has become so familiar to him that he doesn't even honor him. He just said, come on in here, Jesus. He doesn't give him no, no uh, symbolic things of, of water, of oil. He doesn't honor him in these kind of ways. He just says, come on in here, get your seat, sit down. And, and this is the atmosphere that we see. This is what happens but, but you see, they, they did not honor him. They did not respect the gift because they became so familiar with it. But before we judge him too harshly, I wonder how many times that Jesus has come to our house, come to our situation, and we did not even acknowledge his presence. That he came into our worship service, that he came to our rescue, he came into our living room, 
and, and, and we sensed his presence, but, but we're used to that now. We've been serving him for a few years. We, we're used to him, his peace. We're used to his love. We're used to his goodness and his grace that comes and fills the atmosphere of our living room, of our home, and we don't even acknowledge it. We don't even whisper a thank you or to give him praise for giving us such a thing because there is a lot of chaos in the world. There is a lot of turmoil in the world. There is a lot of trouble that, that is all around us, but it is his, in his presence that we ought to be thankful and grateful that he will come and, and speak that peace into our heart and into our life. We even come to a place we call his house and we don't even worship. We go through the routines, we go through the motions, but do we have a heart of praise? Do we have a, a, a gratitude that says, I'm thankful for what you have done for me. I'm thankful that I'm living, that I'm moving, that I'm having my being. I'm thankful that I was able to get up and dress myself today. I was thankful that I could get up and I could talk and I could do for myself. I'm thankful that, that today I have a house that I live in. I have a car that I can. I'm thankful for the things that he has placed in my life because either we believe that he is the God that provides or that we think that we have done it all ourselves. But the reality of it is, is none of us could do it. He, I said the other week that he gave gifts to all of us, not only for us to make a living, but for us to be a blessing to the kingdom of God. And so the gifts that we use, the talents that we have, everything that God has placed within our life to bring resources into our life is a gift that he has blessed us with. Amen. And so here is this group of people that have, have Jesus become, has become so familiar with them that they've lost the awe. And then there's the sinners. The sinners, this sinner, this crazy woman. This woman who has a past, this, this woman who has a reputation in town, and it's not good. This, this woman has the audacity to find out that, that Jesus is over there at Simon's house, and she walks right up to the door, knocks on the door, right? Now, I'm taking a little liberty here. <laughs> Read it for yourself. But she walks up to the door, goes into the house. She has to step over the religious people. She has to come through all of their condemnation. She has to listen to how critical they are. And yet she doesn't let none of that stop her. Because she's not there for them. She has to go through the boys club. 
She has to go through everything that they are familiar with and everything that they are doing. And, and now she makes her way finally to, to the reason that she is there. And it has nothing to do with the political system. It has nothing to do with the religious system. It has nothing to do with how wonderful that she is. But she comes and all she is coming for is because she wants to see Jesus. Amen. She wants to see Jesus. She walks past all of that and walks through all of that. And you know, uh, she had no music. They weren't singing. They weren't playing. We shall see the king. They, they didn't have the atmosphere set. They didn't have a worship team in the background. See, their atmosphere was not set. What we see here in this picture is a tramp that is broken and wants to worship Jesus. Wants to worship Jesus. What do you do with a tramp that comes up in the house and worships better than the church. What do you do with a person that has a reputation of being bad, but comes up to where Jesus is and begins to show everybody else how they should be worshiping him? Amen. You see this woman who had this reputation, but she would broke into worship. She, she said, I don't care. Can you imagine? You know, we've got to have everything right. We've got to have it all right. If the music don't work right, we can't sing. If the worship team, somebody gets off tune, we, we want to talk about it. Right? We, if it's got to be right and the atmosphere has to be right and, and, and everything's got to be just right and, and there's got to be that atmosphere where we can feel something so we, we start worshiping God. But can you imagine with me the, 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 the atmosphere that was in that living room? When this woman walks up and all of the boys club sitting around there doing their thing and she walks into a place she isn't even invited. She's not welcomed. She's not encouraged. And now she has to walk through the boys club to get to Jesus. And the, I look in here and say, what's that tramp doing here? Oh, what's she doing here? Don't they, don't they know who she is? And, and somebody's got to tell her to leave. Right? But she don't allow her, she don't waste any time as she hears their mumbling and she hears them talking about her. She doesn't allow that to detour her one single bit in her assignment. Because she said, yeah, I know I'm a tramp. Yes, I know I'm a sinner. Yes, I know I have done wrong. I know that what you're saying, it's all true. But I'm not here to, to talk about all of that. I'm here because I've seen Jesus come in this house. I've seen him and I want to get into his presence. And now she brings her alabaster box of oil. And what I have studied about the alabaster box, it was something 
something that was reserved for marriage. It was a fragrance. It was a special a fragrance that would be handed down from generation to generation. It was what the woman would take to the wedding and she would put this fragrance on whenever she was married. But the time came in her life when it was the most most joyful time for a woman to be married. It was the most wonderful time. But she said, this is more important than being, being married. This is more important than anything else in my life. I am going today to pour out the most valuable thing, the greatest asset that I have, that everything that was combined of generation to generation that has come into my hands. But today I'm going to break the flax open. I'm not going to open it up and put a little dab on him. I'm not going to save a little for another day. But today I'm going to give him everything that I have. I'm going to pour it all out on him because it looks like to me I'm the only one in here that's going to worship him. And I know that he's worthy of more than just my, but if I give him everything that I have maybe somehow some way it'll make up for these other folk that don't think he's God anymore that he's good anymore that he's glorious anymore but I don't know what's going to happen but I'm going to empty everything I have out on him I'm going to give it all to him She could have said, I know that you know him by the law. And I know you have seen him do miracles. And you have, you've, really, you, you've been there whenever he has done all of these great things. But my, my question is that you've seen him do all of this. And you know him so well. And how is it that you can't worship him? Amen. I appreciate Sister Amy. She's doing such a wonderful job in leading the worship team. But I don't, I just want to say today that it doesn't matter who is leading worship, if it's been past worship leaders or if it's been Amy. But I'll always be the leader of worship in this house. I refuse to allow other people to out-worship me. One of the greatest things as a young kid preacher growing up and watching and going to different, uh, different things and state meetings and general meetings, the thing that caused me to scratch my head is people that was in authority, people who had, God had raised up and gave a voice and now they're, they're too sophisticated and they're too all of this, that and the other that they can't even worship God, they can't even lift their hands but the more that God gives you, the more that he blesses you the greater voice that he gives the more responsibility that you have to lift up his name and to glorify him and represent him to a lost and a dying world amen it seems like to me that if anybody should worship God it ought to be the people that he's been good to amen now you don't expect a sinner <laughs> To come up in the church and be the loudest praiser in the church. Amen. 
But look here. Anybody can praise God. Amen. Anybody. You can bring somebody out here that is stoned out of their gourd up in here today and they can praise God that they didn't get killed on their way here. They can praise God they're still alive. But anybody can praise God, but it takes somebody who knows him to worship him. And this woman had an encounter, had an experience that transformed her in a moment's time from a praiser to a worshiper. What did Jesus say? We'll get to it in a minute, but I'll, I'll just get ahead of myself for a moment. Jesus said that, th that this woman's sins are forgiven her. Amen? I'm not concerned about the religious crowd because religious crowd is always going to be the religious crowd. And I make no bones about that. I, I hate religion. I've seen too many people hurt and destroyed and beat down and criticized and I don't want nothing to do with it. I'm not concerned about the sinners because the sinners are always going to sin. That's what they do. What I'm concerned about is this crowd that has settled. This crowd that has settled. These people that have seen God do so much but they can't even get up off of their hiney and show him a little respect when he walks in the room. Amen. I was thinking about that this week. I was thinking about if the president of the United States walked into a room, it wouldn't matter if he was your, your political flavor or not. You would have to be something real wrong with you uh, if the president of the United States didn't walked in the room and you didn't stand to your feet. Because you honor, when you can't honor the person, you least honor the position. Amen? You honor that position even when you don't honor the person. And, and, and when Jesus walks in the room, Simon doesn't even get up. He doesn't even go through the ritual of getting him some water and to wash his feet and get him a little oil so he'll smell better. He, he, he's just, he just goes through this. And so he, he, uh, it seems like to me that Simon is saying this in his heart. He says he says it within himself or to himself. It seems like to me he's saying it, but Jesus is a reader of the heart. Amen. And Jesus answered him and said, Simon, I've got something to say to you. Amen. <laughs> he said, well, say it, teacher. Say it, Jesus. He said, I'm fixing to. He said, a creditor two, has given money to two people. One of them owe him 500, the other owe him 50. He forgives them both because they don't, don't have the money to repay it. Who's going to be more thankful for it? He said, well, I suppose the one he forgave more. He said, you're right. Right? And then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? He's fixing to put it on Simon. 
He said, I entered your house. I came to your house. And you gave me no water for my feet. She didn't bring no water, but she washed my feet with her tears and, wa and dried them with her hair. You didn't give me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but this woman anointed my feet with a, this fragrant oil. Therefore, I say her sins are forgiven, which are many, for she loved much, but whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then her, her, he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. I've seen a lot of things in 40 years of ministry. I've seen a lot of things. I've seen the demonic set free. I've seen blind eyes open, deaf ears unstopped. I've seen the crippled leap for joy. I've seen people saved. I've seen people filled with the Holy Spirit. I've seen those who are depressed leave laughing. I've seen a lot of great things in 40 years. My concern is I don't want to get so familiar with that that I don't honor the one who has made it all possible. I don't want to become so hard and so calloused in my heart that whenever he walks in the room, I say, oh, hey, dude. He's my homie. No, he ain't your homie. He's your God. Amen. And when we become so familiar with his presence and, and we become so familiar with it and we begin to get more concerned about who's in the room than who entered the room and, and we see all of these things happening, it, 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 it causes me to, to con be concerned about the church today that if we have not gotten, no the presence of God hasn't become normal to us. And especially in, 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 you know, and I know that we're Pentecostal, but yet in, in, in atmospheres where the God's presence has been embraced in days past. But how much of his presence does it take for you to worship? How much does, has to take place? What, what do you do to stay in awe? Because you see, if you've <clears throat> never seen blind eyes open and, and you see them open, you're in awe. But what if a hundred people's eyes come open? Are you still in awe of his great power? If the demoniacs are set free and you've never seen that before, you're in awe that God can take someone that's acting like an animal and bring peace into their spirit instantly and transform them. From the power of darkness to the power of his dear son. 
But when you've seen it over and over again, you get calloused. When His presence comes in the room and, and we feel it and we sense it and it, it brings maybe tears to our heart, eyes or joy of laughter into our voice or, or we experience His presence and, and at the hint of His presence we begin to respond to Him and we begin to be thankful and grateful that He is what manner of man is this that He has shown His love and His kindness to our lives and we honor Him and respect Him but over the years and over time, we become so normal to feel his presence. Until we don't even get up out of our spiritual chairs and recognize that this is God. Amen. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder how it would affect the atmosphere if instead of us waiting until we're overwhelmed with his presence, that at the hint of his presence, that we begin to worship him. That we begin to thank him. That we begin to love him and lavish him with our praise and, and with our goodness. Because when God comes in the house, I never want to get so familiar with him that I'm not excited that he's in the house. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That he has come into the house. That he has honored us and graced us with his presence. That his presence is in the room. And so we, we worship him and we praise him. And, and we even, if I would dare to say, worship him like a tramp. Oh, what a, I'm, I would shout, but I'm afraid of what somebody would say. I wish I could shout like Parsons does. But if I did that, I'd rip a gear and I couldn't talk for a month. <laughs> but I'd like to hear him do it. Amen. Oh, I'm afraid of what somebody will say. I'm afraid if I lift my hand, somebody's looking at me. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of that. Well, get over your fear. The God that you're serving is greater than all of that. And the truth of it is, is it, it don't take all, you know, I, I say Parson because, you know, he, he can scream pretty Good, and I like that. But, but, you know, if that's what's in you, then let it out. But you got to do something to honor God. you got to do something to praise God. I probably told you this before, but my grandmother on my daddy's side was a Cher Cherokee Indian, and, and she'd get to the presence of God. She was a, one of these that would let you know God was on his way. Because you couldn't even feel nothing. You were just singing songs. And you'd hear him, Grandma Matthew saying, And you knew she wasn't a witch. And she just letting you know something fixing to change. Right? And you could know that when Grandma Matthews had done tuned in and she had sensing something in the atmosphere. Amen. And you being young or you being maybe immature in God, you didn't know it, but grandma knew something was up. She, God was coming in the place and she would let everybody else know God was on his way. And she would get that to get a little louder. And then it sounded like a train and she'd do some kind of Indian dance. And I don't know what it was, but she, she didn't have to, it didn't have to be, you know, you know, four, four. 
I've seen her do it when they're singing Amazing Grace. And that ain't cool. You know, Grandma Matthews out there, woo, singing Amazing Grace. That don't go together. You know, you're supposed to. But she, she'd be out there because she knew that something was happening. She knew something was shifting in the middle of amazing grace. She began to worship God and let everybody else know God's presence is coming. Amen. And she began to worship him and praise him. That was grandma's. That was daddy's side. My mama's side. Believe it or not, her mama and daddy were quiet. I know it's hard to believe. Coming from Matthew's, both parents, but it was true. Grandma and Grandpa Frame, I never seen them shout. I never seen them raise their voice. I never seen them holler. But I remember many times as I would sit on that front row and turn around to the third row and I would see my grandpa frame and my grandma frame with their hands lifted toward God and tears streaming down their face. And I knew that God was just as excited about their worship as she, they, he was Grandma Matthews's worship because they was pouring their self out. They were giving something to him. They recognized that he was in the room and he was worthy of their praise. What are you saying? I'm saying to you that it may be an extended hand. It may be a shout. It may be what you've got to give something to God to say God I'm thankful that you're here. Don't let him walk in the room. Don't let him walk into your life and you not give him the very best that you have. Empty yourself out. Pour yourself out. Lavish him with your grace and your love. Forget about be like this woman that walks through the boys club and says I'm not afraid of what you'll say about me I'm not afraid of my worship I'm not afraid of what you'll declare because I'm here to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and I will lift him up I will extol him I will glorify him and I will dare to say oh magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together hallelujah the Bible said praise him according to his excellent greatness praise him according to his excellent greatness if he hasn't done what that means is if he hasn't done much for me then I really don't need to praise him much because I praise him according to how excellently great he has been in my life come on now and so if he has just been a little bit good to me, then all I need to do is hallelujah. Just give him a half praise. If you can't give him a whole shake, just give him a little shake. Right? But if he has been good to me, then I need to give him a good praise. If he has been extravagant to me, then it requires of me that I give him an extravagant praise. Hallelujah. I don't know how long you've been saved, but I encourage each of you, never get so saved that you forget where you were when God brought you out because he brought us out of a horrible pit. He put our feet upon a solid and a firm foundation. He established our coming in and our going out. He wrote our name in 
the Lamb's book of life, called us to be a partaker of his divine nature, said we're complete in him, we're chosen in him, we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody. And he brought us out, and he established us, and he settled us, and we need every once in a while to remember where we were the day that he brought us out and filled us full of joy, filled us with hope, and gave us a purpose. Amen. He said, worship me just according to my excellent greatness. If I haven't done much, just give me a little. But how many believe he's been excellently great to us? Hallelujah. And he is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our worship. I know, I know, I know the day that we're living in, there's so much trouble, there's so much problem, there's so many difficulties, there's so much that is pressing in on us all week long and we come into God's house and we feel that oppression and we feel that heaviness and we feel the weight that is upon our lives, but I want to declare to you today that this is his house, this is a place that we come corporately to meet him together and that we will lift up a corporate prayer according to his excellent greatness we will create an atmosphere and an aroma of his presence that when we leave here they will say of us they have been in the presence of Jesus hallelujah this woman marked Jesus that day I'm almost done Amy this woman marked Jesus that day other times men had been with her for the wrong reasons. And they probably smelt her fragrance as they went into town and her fragrance was upon them for the wrong reasons. But this time when Jesus left the house, her fragrance was upon him, but it was for all the right reasons. She emptied herself. She poured herself out. She gave her very best at the risk of being mocked and humiliated at her wedding for not having the family custom of fragrant oil. She poured it out on him and said, this is more valuable to me today than if I never get married. How many know that was big in Jewish custom? Not to get married was a terrible thing, but she said, it's more important to me to give him everything I've got, and this is the best I have, and I'm gonna lavish it on him today. I don't know what your best is, but I was just thinking in this time, this Thanksgiving month, that, that we need to be thankful every day, but it's in a set of time, this time's been set aside that we can be thankful for the things that God has done for us. And to just lavish them with our praise. And I encourage you not just here in this room, but in your living room. <laughs> in that place where you call home. When you sense his presence, take a moment, stop, honor him, give him thanks. For being real in your life, not just on Sunday, but every day of your life. Amen. Praise God. Stand with me today.